Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, I heard my name. Sorry, I was reading something. Hi, how you doing? Welcome to uh, the show, a Monday, Monday show. Hard to get, but I will. It's the 11th of uh, June after a very uh, uh, busy weekend, to, to say the least. I, first of all, want to uh, thank from the bottom of me heart. Where would that be? Somewhere there. Uh, all of you who showed up yesterday at our, at our rally. Um, it was a respectable showing. I always want more. And uh, God was with us. It didn't rain on us. Um, and the cops didn't uh, push us away, uh, which they could have, I guess, because technically we did not have a proper permit to have a sound system out there. Uh, but it all <laughs> it all came together very quickly. Remind me never again to uh, to organize a rally. It is a ton of work, guys. You have no idea. It's absurd. I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, and to do it that quickly, but we did, and uh, it was wonderful. Um, really. I'll tell you, it was one of the favorite, uh, best rallies I've been to in a long time in that it did not go on forever. It was all of 43 minutes long. And uh, a lot of speakers, all right on point, all eloquent, all bringing some, something new. Um, and uh, they ranged from, the, uh, from a poet... <laughs> Samuel Hazo, not just a poet, but the poet, the first poet laureate of the state, uh, the founder of the International Poetry Forum, which brought every great poet and then some. Am I remembering right that Princess Grace even came? Yeah. I mean, Princess Grace? Yeah. Grace Kelly? Was at the forum. I don't. I can't remember. There's a vague memory in my head of a picture of her. Um, just but the greats. And um, so Sam Hazo spoke, and Dennis Roddy, who used to be a just exceptional reporter at the Post Gazette, went on to serve uh, a Republican governor, uh, uh, Corbett as I believe is press secretary, um, and is not a flaming liberal like me, but is every bit as appalled at what is going on at the Post-Gazette and the silencing of Rob Rogers and what it portends, more importantly. And Charlie Deitch, the late great editor of Pittsburgh City Paper, that as far as I can see, did not bother to cover the rally, which pisses me off more than I can say. Uh, why am I blanking? Uh, I am so, so 
I'm so exhausted, I can't think. Uh, wow, we just, uh, uh, Ken Boaz, a retired professor from Pitt who was also uh, incredible, and out of the blue, showing up and asking to speak, I thought quite courageously, was current Post-Gazette employee, Brian O'Neill, the wonderful, wonderful columnist, funny, smart, uncoverer of gems that you wouldn't otherwise know about, author of a great book, The Paris of Appalachia, about Pittsburgh. Brian O'Neill, who works there, showed up and spoke and spoke as a friend and colleague of Rob Rogers and spoke as one of so many unhappy employees of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. It is as miserable, I mean, as miserable a crew as you could imagine. But unlike me, who, who unsubscribed to the paper this weekend, uh, Brian, uh, I thought, eloquently spoke to not doing that. I'm going to stand by my action, and I frankly would hope more people would do it because I think that, more than anything, gets the attention of the owner. John Robinson Block. But great support, and I cannot thank you enough. It was a delight to see some of you there to be, uh, to have faces to put to uh, uh, emailers and callers, um, to see Ray uh, from Lawrenceville, to see, and my, the greatest uh, hit was Milt. Milt. Milton, who is always writing me wondrous things uh, during the show, who uh, had come from Columbus, Ohio, but was unable to stay, and uh, we just made sure that we we got to talk a bit uh, before the rally, and there's this great picture that we took together. I'm going to, if Milton doesn't mind, um, I, I want to post it on my Facebook page, and can we post things on the just wherever we can post it? Can we put it up on PG too? I mean, a PG, the city paper. I don't know. We can't. Can't put up a picture. Yeah, yeah whatever. But I, I anyway. So I. After we, a lot of people took uh, pamphlets that we had written up with Rob Rogers censored cartoons on the front and what you can do <laughs> on the back including call Keith Burris call the uh, Post-Gazette or write the editorial page editor and I am begging all of you to do that it's 
just send them an email. If you're not willing to unsubscribe or you don't think that's wise, then you've got to let them know. It'll take you two seconds, okay? Maybe a little bit more, but not much. And you just send the email to K Burris, B-U-R-R-I-S. We'll put that up as well. K Burris at post-gazette.com. And let him know. You can also, of course, write a letter to the editor, but understand that it, it'll be counted. I'm sure they're keeping tabs because when I canceled, they asked me why and said they were keeping tabs. So that's important to know. You can also write a letter. They will not post it. Letters at postgazette.com. What's astonishing is that this is our local newspaper. And there was a large demonstration outside their own, granted, old offices yesterday. It's a legitimate story. It's a story that's been covered by the Philadelphia Inquirer, by CNN, by all three local television stations. And the one daily print newspaper in this town did not cover it, will not even know its readers, will not allow its readership to know that this is a story because it involves them. That shows you how irresponsible and how thin-skinned and how scared the Post-Gazette is. It is as spineless as the Republicans in Congress are spineless. Boy, are we seeing how few honorable people there are. I'm serious. It's very dispiriting to see. Anyone who would take the responsibilities of journalism of publishing a newspaper seriously would cover the news just for starters would have an editorial page that allowed its readership to have a voice that showed all kinds of points of view on subjects of interest to its subscribers. And that is not what the Post-Gazette is doing anymore. It is a plaything for John Robinson Block, a rich kid who was given a paper to play with. And as I said on the flyer that we passed out it is our democracy seems increasingly fragile does it not almost hourly daily there's some kind of outrage some kind of unprecedented action or policy or statement or oh, just this weekend was 
a case in uh, point. And there's this sense in so many hearts and minds that something precious is slipping away. Right here. Certainly nationally, certainly internationally, our standing in the world, our leadership in the world, our, what used to be our role in the world, it's all just being upended and exploded. We are losing respect and respect once lost is very difficult to get back we are losing trust in all of our institutions somehow now our government is considered a deep state up to no good our newspapers well I think and media which are open to quite a bit of uh, justified criticism, are being maligned not for instance what we are protesting here in Pittsburgh. No, they're being maligned by the powerful for printing reality that they don't like. For news that they don't want reported. The silencing of Rob Rogers is just one more drip, 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 and one more step into a very dark place that none of us want to be in. So, again, I, I thank you very, very much. Man. We have a call. Hello, caller. Hello, Lynn. Yes. Hi. Hi. Hey, um, this, uh, You're breaking up a bit. Christ. You're breaking up. I'm sorry. Maybe I'll have to call back. Okay. Do that. Thank you. All right. Because you are calling. Yeah. Um, NP writes, Richard Scaife couldn't take down the Post-Gazette while he was alive, so he has been reincarnated as John Robinson Block to finish the job. It certainly seems that way. Uh, one of the chants we gave a go at the rally was uh, Richard Mellon Scaife, John Robinson Block. What's the difference? There is none. There is none. Let's try a caller again. Hello, caller. Hi. No, you still sound lousy. No, it's worse. I'm worse. Uh, yeah, it's worse. Goodbye. Okay, goodbye. Bye. <laughs> uh, Catherine writes, thanks for organizing the rally yesterday. My son and I attended. I thank you. And enjoyed the energy and the things that the speakers had to say. We can only hope it has a positive effect. I know this is not on subject, but if I had spoken at the rally, this is what I would have said. I remember Lynn Cullen 
Doug Hirth, Phil Music, Ann Devlin, and all the others who used to make me laugh and smile and be delighted. I wish so much we could go back to those days. I pray that one day civility and fairness will return to our social discourse. Thank you all for all the years of entertainment and enlightenment. The silver lining is Tuesdays with Susan Day. Keep on keeping on, Lynn. Fondly, Catherine who also calls herself the left-handed liberal. Um, you know, it is so true. It's so often the case that when you are in what will turn out to be the good old days, you don't know it. And in fact, in the good old days, you might have been complaining all the time about how bad things were. Because <laughs> I guess it's our nature to complain. But what Catherine refers to, that lineup, that was on WTAE talk radio in the 80s <clears throat> was a golden age of of a kind and I I don't I'm not the least bit humble about saying that it was a golden age of of a kind in Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh talk because all of those names she mentioned, not one of us were in lockstep agreement on issues. Not at all. We pretty much were across the board. And one after the other, we would come on for our three-hour shifts. And we would talk. And people of different political points of view would call in. And we would listen. And we would talk. And there was so little of the vitriol that now defines the genre. And in fact, what defines the genre now is only one opinion is allowed, and that is far right-wing opinion allowed on talk radio. Pretty much. That's it. We've lost, again, I will talk about loss I'm in fear of losing my country because I see it, the part, what, what it is that I love and what I value. Not some illusory concept, not just the fact that it's the United States, you know, USA, USA. I'm not talking that kind of love because that love to me is mindless. But I feel it slipping away. And I'm frightened. And I've told you that a million times. And remembering that, which wasn't all that long ago. I mean, yeah, for 35 years ago. Gone. A marketplace of ideas. And a respectful marketplace of ideas. And it's gone. Probably forever. Because now two, two generations have grown up and they've never heard that kind of talk. So they think talk is what, what we do now, which is only people who agree with each other talk to each other and all they do is vilify the other side and there is no meeting ground where reasonable, opinionated people can speak. We have a call. Hello, caller? Yeah, I think that's on your end. 
I don't know about that. I think it is. All right. Well, we're you're you're not coming in clear. Sorry. Okay. Bye. Uh, to prove that it's not on our end, if someone would give us a, a call, <laughs> somebody else call, uh, that would be appreciated. I don't think it's on our end. Could it be? We have uh, switched out some equipment, so it, there's a, I guess, a chance that it is. But that sure sounded like his end to me. Um. What else do I have here? Uh, Jay Lynch writes, and Jay was at the rally. Jay Lynch, I I know his name because one of the things the Post-Gazette does that I find delightful, which does not have to do with its news coverage, is every other Sunday, it one of its, uh, one of its artists, is it Stacey Innerst, um, draws a cartoon without a caption, and then... There's a contest to, you know, come up with a caption. And Jay Lynch wins it almost constantly. Very clever guy. And he says, thanks for putting together the rally. It was great. The speakers, including Brian O'Neill and Sam Hazo, were on target uh, with consistent measures, messages of support for free speech and the dangers of growing censorship and the suppression of truth by Trump supporters in media power. And he says, after the rally, I slowly walked through the march, the gay rights marchers holding the, one of the enlarged Rob Rogers posters, and it was a big hit, he said. Um, okay, we got a call. Let's see what this sounds like. Hi, caller. Hello. Hey, hey Lynn, it's Mike in D.C. Uh, you're a little... Am I, am let, I coming through? Well, it's got the same it's kind Mike of little... DC. Am I coming through? You're coming through. C- keep going, but it's still not is clear no yeah yours isn't clear either when i'm listening but the, the only point i wanted to make was were you and doug hearth in that whole genre was that part of fair time that the fcc no. said the station had to have or no was it just luck no it wasn't either it was a program director who thought that that was the way to build a good talk radio station it had nothing to do with that fair time uh rule which really just had to do with, I can't even remember exactly the parameters of that, but that doesn't exist anymore, as you no doubt know. Um, no, it was just to give uh, uh, the large audience out there a, a disparate, uh, not only viewpoints, because it wasn't considered that it would just be political talk, it was just different personalities. I mean, anybody knows that what makes a show is a per, you know the it's the host's personality in large part if somebody is not able to draw and hold an audience then you no program director wants you so i don't think it had to do with politics as much as he thought i was a you know someone who could hold an audience doug was someone who could hold an audience uh and you know ann was very you know she was a very moderate you know her her ma- main skill was just she was a great interviewer, a dogged. She was a real journalist uh, by nature and inclination. Um, so is that harder for a, for a broadcaster to come up with that varying personality? Or no. Or just keep one tone, Kardashians, all the time? No, it's not harder. 
it's just a different business model. And the only business model that that is out there in corporatized radio now is the right-wing Rush Limbaugh uh, talk radio. That's all that exists. I'm sorry to say. And people say, oh, well, that's because it is lucrative. It does work. That is, you know, bullshit. Obviously, because anyone, uh, an audi, anyone who can get an audience is someone that can have, you know, any business model would would say that's somebody I would want on my on my team. Um, when WPTT took me off and dug off and said they wanted to go to a business format. Their station crashed and burned. At, crashed and burned so much. And what they did is replace us too with right-wing uh, syndicated talk shows. It crashed and burned so much that they didn't even register on the Nielsen's. You got to get to a certain point to even show up in the Nielsen's and they no longer did. So it's not, I mean, obviously they were making more money with me and Doug. And we got booted right before a national presidential election. Go figure. I think these right-wing owners uh, now are using their radio stations, their newspapers, whatever, uh, to uh, push a certain political agenda and to silence others. And, you know, Pittsburgh didn't vote for Donald Trump, and yet our only daily newspaper is full-on Trump now, full-on. How's that a good business model? Yeah, what kind of business it is is um, getting your candidates elected. Yeah. So really, it's state TV now. Yeah, it's state TV. All right. Hey, you know what? You it is okay. I I, I apologize to the our first caller. It, this is on our end. So, thank thank you for thank you. Listening to you on the phone is very breaking up too. So okay. I think it is on your end. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate sure. it very much. Bye bye. All right. I'm sorry. I don't know how are we coming across okay on your uh, the way you're listening, or is it just the phones then that aren't working right? Just let me know if you're hearing us okay, because as I say, we're, we switched up a uh, computer here. <laughs> I said before, we never, this never happens without having to have some glitches uh, dealt with. Uh, Henry wrote, being unable to attend yesterday, I was looking for coverage of the protest. Channel 11, WPXI, covered it, and I also discovered a local news source called The Incline, which had a very nice lengthy article about it um, <clears throat> that included not only photos of the protest, but also a very interesting photo of the Post-Gazette newsroom employees huddled around monitors uh, watching Rob Rogers on CNN. Yes, I'm sorry, by the way, about my voice. This is clearly uh, some <coughs> left over a bit from all the talking. Um, yes. Now, uh, the other two stations, KDKA and WTAE, also covered it. 
but not as extensively as WPXI, uh, WTAE, more extensively than KDKA. Um, and I'm a little stunned. I don't know, but the, I don't think the Tribune Review covered it. <laughs> Which, okay, I'm being told we sound okay to our audience. It's just on the phones that something is not uh, quite right. Uh, so thank you all for that uh, feedback. Um, yeah, so all three stations were there. All three interviewed me. Here's something. Here's a. Here's what's happened to television, local television news. Um, all three stations were there. What they did was send photographers, video, videographers. No reporters. So I was asked by all three stations, this is not the way things used to work. They all stood shoulder to shoulder, the three photographers. This is after the rally, after the speeches. And then they said, we can, we'll just all interview you at the same time. So these are supposedly three competitors <laughs> uh, working together. No reporter. So it was a photographer that asked the questions, not a reporter. Unbelievable. <laughs> they asked fine. They were fine. But that means they are more than photographers. They're, they're not doing what photographers did when I was in television news. That was a, a photographer had a job and a reporter had a job. And then a reporter would go back and put a coherent uh, story together. I'm not sure what happened to what I, I said to those guys, but obviously it went back to their stations. And I, either they or some producer who was not at the rally, you know, quickly looked at it, probably got all of 30 seconds in. And as soon as they heard what they sound, what sounded like a sound bite to them, they never listened to the rest, and they just threw that up with a little video of um, people holding signs. That's how. That's how it works. That is, you know, it's okay. I was a little upset that the video didn't show the extent of the uh, crowd because we actually did a head count, and it was uh, over 170. I mean, it actually came, and there was, you know, someone to leave, someone, two more would come. 170 people, and uh, the one biggest print story, which was in the incline, said dozens. <laughs> well, yeah, that's dozens, but I don't think that's the way, it, it, that makes it sound really paltry, and even the video uh, cameras never like got up and showed the crowd. We had a big crowd and wonderful signs. I mean, almost everybody it seemed was holding something. So, being a TV, you know, ex-television reporter myself, I'm, I tend to be very critical. But I think we did what we intended to do. We stood out there. We said what we needed to say. We did get some coverage 
I mean, you got coverage on all three TV stations. Um, of course, no coverage in the Post-Gazette because they don't have the courage. And they have abandoned, in part, their journalistic principles. So it's okay. And then the leaf through the leafleting, I mean, we handed out uh, close to 1,000 leaflets. I'm sure we got to others. And it's, uh, all I'm asking is, it, is that you keep it going by writing K Burris, B-U-R-R-I-S, at postgazette.com with a hyphen in between the Post and the Gazette. Just do it. Do it right now. You don't have to listen to me anymore. I'm you know, sounding like a broken record. Uh, Gigi says, I'm sorry I wasn't able to attend. I was with you in spirit. It's very disheartening. The PG did not cover it. Not surprising, though. I'm glad there was television coverage. Although I never watched local news. Yeah, I don't either. So that was the first time I've watched in a long time, and it reminded me why I don't. Slipping away. Trip, trip. Losing things. We're losing things. The first three stories or four stories before they got to our rally or the gay pride parade or even to the president <laughs> was what? It was a fire, a car fire even, a car fire. Um, it was all that kind of breaking news crap that... I have to say, is so easy to cover, but it doesn't have an impact on my life. My local newspaper does. That's a bigger story. But they go now with the p police monitor. They go with fires and um, shootings. That was another one. Shooting, fire, shooting, fire. Car fire, explosion in Cleveland, house. I mean, it's that kind of shit. I, that to me is not news I need to know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am say someone saying there's a, I think this is Bree, there is a slight gravel, but I can't tell if it's the stream or your voice. <laughs> Is my voice. Um, I got a call uh, yesterday, a, a, um, a vo uh, what do you call that? Uh, picture. Picture call. <laughs> what? Why am I? And, and it was my, it was Susan's son, my sister's son, my nephew. And um, it was his wife and him and his sister. Um, and his new baby. So there was a new baby in the family Sunday. And um, well, I was on the phone a long time with them, and I started literally, this gravel turned into absolute, I, and I said, you know, guys, I got to get off. I'm not going to have a voice for my show tomorrow, and I can see that, yeah, it's uh, whatever. Roger says, thank you for yesterday's rally. While most of us were of the white, gray-haired variety, I did bring my 21-year-old nephew who attends St. Vincent's College. 
We talk a lot about politics, religion, environment, racism, but it was good for him to see firsthand what's happening to the country and that it's just not Uncle Roger on his soapbox ranting about the state of things. Great. We then went to the Pride Parade and had a really nice time with good people. While it seems doom and gloom to people like you and me, I have to hold out hope for his generation to correct things or at least make them not so bad. Despite what's happening to Rob Rogers, maybe in the long run it won't matter as much since the younger folks soon uh, will not be paying attention to printed media or television. Uh, and then he says, FYI, KDK gave the rally about 15 seconds. Yeah, that was it. And it was just sort of like came out of nowhere. I think it was a video of me saying a three-second sound bite and, and uh, just uh, anchor voiceover saying, uh, a few people were downtown Rob Rogers. And then uh, I went to a commercial or something. Yeah, it was, it, again, not the coverage I would have liked. But I do understand that John Delano over at KDK has done, uh, I think, two full stories on Rob's absence. So I'll give him that. Uh, you know, so they, it's not that they have not uh, covered it. Okay, uh, everybody's telling me I sound okay, except for, of course, the state of my own voice. Um, enough of that. Today, folks, in case your um, your your computer is not working like it usually does, uh, you're on Google, things seem slower. Could be happening already. Today is the day, the first day since we ever even knew what a web was or what the internet was. Today is the first day of the new reality in the United States because the FCC has now imposed its new rules which mean that net neutrality, which is what we called the way things used to be, is gone. And it now means that um, all Internet providers uh, now are not required to give us, consumers, equal access to all content. So if it's like a little site somewhere, you know, the, the, the Internet was a great democratizing uh, tool because all of a sudden, you know, somebody standing in their bedroom could, <laughs> could command an audience if whatever they put out onto the Internet was compelling enough and got shared and shared and shared and shared. That ends today. It's over. Because the big boys who control the traffic can now slow things way down. Stuff they don't need you to see. Stuff they want you to see. This is again, drip, drip, drip. I keep saying we're losing things. We're losing important things. Rob Rogers, 
net neutrality. Our reputation in the world. I mean, you can make a list of your own. It's, it's extraordinary. But I did want to point that out. Um, just to talk uh, about Trump and Kim Jong-un for a second. This has become nothing more than a photo op. Trust me. Trust me. Um, Trump now says he'll be leaving earlier than expected, too, because, of course, the North Korean leader said he's leaving earlier. So, oh, you're leaving earlier? Well, I'm leaving two minutes before you leave. It's just a bunch of bullshit. And you got two guys with their own agendas going in, and all they care about are those agendas. Kim Jong-un has already won because he has been granted what he could never have before, which is to be seated as an equal across from the president of what still, I guess, is the most powerful nation on earth, to be seated as an equal. He has wanted that elevation, that respect. Well, he's got it. And he's not only sitting across from the President of the United States, but from a dolt, across from a dolt, who has not even prepared for this meeting because he says... He's going to wing it like he wings everything else. Because he's a good negotiator. This is all about his ego. Trump's. Thinks there may be a Nobel Peace Prize in it. He knows the whole world's attention is on him, which is, of course, the only thing he cares about. (coughs) Do you think for a moment that North Korea is going to give up its nukes? (laughs) I got news for you. The only reason he's at this meeting is because he has nukes. If he didn't have nukes, do you think the President of the United States would bother talking to him? No. So, why would anybody think that he's going to give up the very thing which got him to this level? And why would he give up what is a defensive deterrent, certainly, on his part, and potentially an offensive weapon as well? Things will be spun. There will be some kind of thing that comes out of it. Or Trump will have a tantrum and storm out to keep the storyline going and to keep the cameras on him. Who the hell knows? But let me tell you, nothing. Bullshit. Okay? You saw what the president did in Canada. It's I'm I'm my embarrassment, my shame, my humiliation, no no And you have administration officials 
saying of our of Canada, of the Prime Minister of Canada, that there's a special place in hell for him? What the? Have they said that about Vladimir Putin? Have they said that about Kim Jong-un? These two cruel assassins who Trump loves. Trump is right now trying to dismantle the Atlantic Alliance that has served the world well. Certainly since World War II. And this petulant child is trying to destroy that which every other American president, Republican and Democrat, stood by, worked to hold together. And he's thumbing his nose, insulting our friends and cozying up to our enemies. If this guy is not owned by Vladimir Putin, then will somebody tell me how you can possibly tell that? When he heads into the G7 and says, Russia should be here, they belong here. And then he essentially pulls us out. Leaving us with who? Vladimir Putin. We're not the leader of the free world anymore. Certainly the President of the United States is not. I suspect Angela Merkel is. David Leonhardt in the Times wrote a piece titled Trump Tries to Destroy the West. And you know, he's so out of it, I, he might not even realize, because he has no historical uh, context. He just, as he's, he just acts on impulse. He has the emotional intelligence of a three-month-old. And he has the intellectual intelligence, I'm not sure, about a, you know, a C student. His outward slander and hostility toward the UK, Canada, Germany, France, Italy. His picking fights with them over what are... I mean, do you know that he's lying about the tariff stuff? What did I have here? What did I have here? What do I have here? Do I have it? I have numbers. Oh, here. Trump claims that he's simply responding to other countries' uh, trade policies, that we have to protect ourselves. But the average current tariff of the United States, Britain, Germany, and France is identical. That's the World Bank crunching. Then, Believe me, the World Bank likes to know these things and crunch numbers. They crunch numbers. They say everybody's pretty much at 1.6%. <coughs> uh, 
Japan and Canada a little lower. 1.4 for Japan, 0.8% for Canada. And yes, of course, every nation on earth has a few tariffs that the rest of the world find objectionable, including us. But the, that is not victimizing us. And Leonhardt says, as usual, he is doing what he's always done, and now he's threatening the Atlantic Alliance essentially over a lie, something he's concocted. And his lies, as Leonhardt says, we have learned that when he accuses someone else of something, he's almost always projecting. I have said that a million times. If you ever want the truth, you just turn it around and you've got it. So that on Saturday, when he called Trudeau very dishonest, <laughs> well, of course, he was being, as usual, very dishonest. And Leonhardt, trying to make sense of it, says this. I just want to share this with you. Maybe with Trump it's, it's ideological, which of course is, can't be true because he has none. And he prefers Putin-style authoritarianism to democracy. Well, that's true. Or maybe he has no grand strategy and Putin really does have some compromising information on him. That is, to my mind, almost a certainty. Or maybe Trump just likes being against what every other modern American president was for. Whatever the reason, he is a threat. He is a threat to our nation. And he goes on to say, for America's longtime allies, the response means shedding the hopeful optimism that characterized the early approach taken by Trudeau, taken by Macron. Merkel has been the right role model all along. She has been tough without necessarily or needlessly escalating matters because she understood the threat from the beginning. And then Leonhardt says what is to me the one of the most frightening things that's going on, besides getting to know my fellow citizens better and knowing that a good 40% of them would watch the American, their American democracy go right down the drain and actually cheer it. But it's this as well. And he says, Trump's fellow Republicans who are not putting their country over their party. And for American voters, it means understanding the real stakes of this year's midterm elections. These elections are a referendum on American ideals that are older, much older than any of us. We can go back to the Founding Fathers, or just go back to the founding of NATO 
or the G7 or anything else that this guy has destroyed. Chuck writes, uh, the uh, FCC chair, Ajit Pai, was a guest on CBS Morning Show today. Uh, the hosts, Gail King, Nora O'Donnell, and John Dickerson, were surprisingly hostile to him. And Dickerson corrected Pai on a number of outright lies that he was spouting regarding net neutrality. Pai is touting this change as a monumental move to create competition <laughs> and consequently lower prices. Here again, you want the truth? Turn that upside down. Turn it inside out. It will not increase competition and it will not lower prices. And Chuck writes, but given the number of times he mentioned Obama, this move is clearly just another assault on Obama's successes. And again, the f obvious intent of the Trump administration to disassemble everything that Barack Obama's eight-year tenure begot. Uh, speaking from uh, inside the White House, people are saying a whole bunch of other people are about to leave. There's going to be, they said by the t midterm elections in November, there'll probably be almost a full-scale turnover because people can't take it. They can't take it. They might even agree with him, and they can't take it. The total anarchy in the White House. And you see he's emboldened now. He's getting worse. He's not getting better. He's getting worse. He refuses to listen to his chief of staff at all. John Kelly is going to be out. He will not have another chief of staff. The only chief of staff he will have is somebody who's a yes man because the only people he will tolerate around him are people who are sycophants, are people who agree with him. Anyone who tries to steer him or tamp him down, they don't last long, if at all. Uh, from inside the White House, we are hearing pretty much the only people he talked to and talks to, and remember, on an unsecured phone. Excuse me, I didn't mean to scream at you. This whole thing, lock her up, lock her up, what was that about? Hillary supposedly was on an unsecured computer in her house? Trump's in the friggin' White House on unsecured phones. Even talking to world leaders on unsecured phones. Says here the guy he talks to all the time is Corey Lewandowski. Wonderful. And the despicable Steve Bannon said this in an interview recently about all the conflict, all the turnover, all the chaos. 
thumbing his nose at our friends, embracing our enemies, he said this. <coughs> this is how he won. This is how he governs. And this is his superpower. Drama. Action. Emotion. It's the Trump show. That's all it is. And he's running the world's largest reality show from the White House. And if you think there's anything other than that going on, you're not paying attention. And that is why we should all tremble. And that is why the enabling by congressional Republicans and by a lot of the media, including here in Pittsburgh, of a once very good newspaper, is so dangerous. You know, if you know anybody, and they're getting really old now, who somehow survived the Holocaust or was in Germany, Austria, any of those countries before the Holocaust, but managed to get out, if you talk to them, they will tell you to a man and a woman that this is like deja vu. They're seeing the same things. The dehumanizing of entire human populations, immigrants, mostly. Black people, too calling human beings vermin. That's Hitlerian. Pulling people out of their beds in the middle of the night, separating children from their parents, sending both to different detention centers. I had this thought the other day, do you remember, it must have been about three, four, five years ago, that there was this bunch of lunatics in, in Texas who were saying that Walmarts and others were being reconfigured as concentration camps and that they were all going to end up in concentration camps. I guess this was because Obama was in the White House. Well, it turns out that there is a reconfigured Walmart and it is a bit of a concentration camp. It's where they're keeping the babies the little kids, the terrified little kids that the United States government, which is you and me, according to our Constitution, that the United States government has ripped from the hands of their and arms of their desperate parents. And they are housing them in former Walmarts And you may know a U.S. senator tried to get in to see what was going on in one of the detention centers for the grown-ups and then in one of these places. 
and he, they're not allowing people to see the conditions or what's going on. So the lunatics in Texas who believe in black helicopters and all of that, I, I think strangely they were actually on to something. We are sort of setting up stuff that looks frightening, like frighteningly like the beginning of concentration camps, detention centers, ICE looks increasingly like the Gestapo and they employ the same tactics and this is the United States of America? Did you see that the president did invite uh, the triple crown winner justified to the uh, White House? You know, they, that's this thing, you invite champions. The NBA champions, uh, the Warriors, of course, will not be invited and wouldn't have gone if they had. And if, and if Cleveland had won, they wouldn't have gone either. So I think that's over. But I guess the president figured a horse would come. And it turns out the horse does, will not come. Uh, Justified apparently uh, said, hey, if I wanted to see a horse's ass... I would have come in second. All right, tomorrow with Susan, now a grandmother of two, very happy. And uh, guys, if you weren't at the rally, and even if you were, if you don't write kburris at postgazette.com today or call him or write a letter to the editor I'm never talking to you again. This is a time for action. Even if it's not what you usually do. Do it. Okay? I think we got the phone thing settled too, by the way. We'll find out tomorrow when Susan joins us. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.